Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. What's happening, everybody? It's Eric J. Olson with a special edition of the Managing Partners Podcast. All right, this is the first. So it's going to be me and three managing partners all at once. This is amazing. So today I am joined by the web law firm out of Pittsburgh. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Uh, we have Kent, Cecilia, and Kirk from left to right. So thank you all for making the time to join us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward. Well, hey, uh, I, one of the things we'll probably have a challenge with here is making sure we don't step on each other's toes. There's a lot of people that are going to be talking about. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, yourselves, and what you do. Ladies first. Ah, that's how it goes. Uh, so I'm Cecilia, and uh, first and foremost, a an IP litigator. We are an IP boutique here, and that's the focus of my practice. So anything, patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, that's my focus. I also do a fair amount of trademark work, trademark portfolio management, brand strategy, any other sort of odds and ends that come come to my door. Kent? Okay. Uh, hi, I'm Kent Baldoff Jr. My practice focuses almost entirely on patent litigation. We represent primarily defendants, a lot of patent troll defense work that we do, a large team of lawyers that work on that. And on top of that, I do general counseling for many clients, both trademarks and patents, and a smattering of copyright, but not a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> Kirk? And I'm Kirk Miles. My background is in chemistry. The majority of the work that I do these days is in the medical device in industry. I handle a lot of portfolio management and a lot of patent procurement in the U.S. and worldwide. In addition, I do a lot of opinion work, so it's the pre-litigation phase before it gets to Kent and Cecilia. Gotcha. That's awesome. Thank you for the intro. You know, we, we were talking a little bit before we went live about the, the geographic area of where you work. Yeah, can, can you share with, with the audience the different parts of the world that, that you do your work in? Well, sure. From a litigation standpoint, as some of our viewers may know, the hotbeds for patent litigation, Eastern District of Texas, now the Western District of Texas, Delaware, South Florida, California. We practice extensively in all of those courts, in addition to here in the Western District of Pennsylvania. And just to give you a little bit of insight, Eric, as to the way our practice works, being an IP boutique, we things are a little different. We're all registered. The attorneys at our office are registered in front of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So we have a federal registration for procurement purposes and where we litigate for our clients. We work with the attorneys in our offices who litigate in those areas, and we would typically work with local counsel where necessary for those issues. But as it is an IP practice, it is a worldwide practice, and our clients are all over the place at this point. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm sorry, Cecilia, go ahead. That's all right. <laughs> I was going to say, as a result, um, because our clients are multinational companies and, and have properties all over the place, oftentimes our role is to help them coordinate whatever enforcement mechanisms they may have globally. And so as a result, 
even though we may not practice in a particular jurisdiction, we coordinate with foreign counsel there to make sure whatever strategy they need to have accomplished on a global scale is being accomplished. Yeah, that, that's really neat uh, to me, the, the, the global reach, if you will, of your law firm. Because, you know, a lot of the, the law firms are managing practice, uh, managing partners that we speak with, um, you know, they're, they're licensed in a particular state. And so the, the geography is very well defined. Uh, so since you do IP, uh, you know, it's kind of gloves off. You can go where you need to, certainly within the United States, and then partner with others outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. So, really Without question. And with respect to our litigation practice, I would venture to say over 80% of our litigation practice is outside of the Western District of Pennsylvania. And again, representing clients worldwide, we have active cases for companies throughout the United States and foreign companies at the same time. Gotcha. Are, are there certain types of clients that you tend to work with more than others, like certain niches or industries? In terms of industries, I think we're pretty much across the board. In terms of the types of clients that we work with, it really ranges, again, across the board. If you look at the history of the practice of patent law, particularly at the Web Law Firm, we started long history here, 176 years, I think, at this point. So yes. we can trace our history pretty far back to 1845. And at that time, of course, as you can imagine, the practice of patent law was very, very different. And over the years, over those 176 years, our client base has grown significantly and changed significantly. In the past 25 years or so, certainly the technologies that have developed have helped us change the types of clients that we represent as well. Whereas typically most companies or small inventors would go local for their patent practice. We now have technologies that allow us to be wherever we need to be on a given note, on a given moment through, for example, a podcast or video conferencing as we have here. So it has changed the types of clients that we are able to represent. And we do have truly a worldwide practice in terms of our clients. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, all the rapid change that we've seen in the last year. I, I assume you're sitting in your office. Have you been working out of your office this whole coronavirus duration? As much as we can. I mean, we've been subject to the orders that are in place like anybody else, but, you know, client needs continue on and we, uh, we have found some creative ways to to work around all of these situations, whether that's working remotely or on a couple of occasions where we've had to be in the office for litigation matters. We've dealt with that as well. So, Or just when your significant other says enough, you need to be in the office. <laughs> that's, that's the key right there. That's right. <laughs> I will say, Eric, we were very fortunate in that regard in that we were prepared, unknowingly actually, but we were very prepared for a remote environment without ever expecting to have to go that direction. But from a client standpoint, it was completely seamless for us. When when there was a decision made last year by the government, by the state government to say, you need to close your offices, we were able to essentially flip a switch and all of our attorneys and support staff were able to fully function remotely for us. So from the client perspective, they saw no difference from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. And that is something that we're very proud of, that we were able to continue with that seamless practice for our clients. Well, I think it's worth mentioning, too, in view of the target audience for this, other managing partners, we catch so much grief on such silly things like every (laughs) managing partner does. But we, of course, we had no inkling COVID was 
on the way, but we had this system set up. We had been working on it for a year that would enable everybody to work remotely, every single person, staff, attorneys, and with the idea that we just wanted to be more flexible. And unbeknownst to us, when this happened, we were completely ready. And with, as Kirk said, within a day or two, we were up and running Mm -hmm. and it was seamless. I like to consider, I like to consider that as part of our practice as a technology based law firm, we feel it's very important to make sure that we are on the cutting edge, cutting edge wherever we can be with respect to technology. So because we were thinking ahead with what would be the next way to look forward in terms of practice, we had things in place ready to go when we needed. Yeah, that's that's great. And and obviously it worked out in your favor, the timing. Not that you know anybody mm-hmm. wants anything this to happen, but you were prepared so that when you had to shift very quickly, uh, you could without mm-hmm. missing a beat, which is fantastic. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of like looking out into the future. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we like to think about a lot on the podcast are some trends in the industry or political or financial that could affect the legal industry, you know, certainly remote and, and how remote is going to affect the law industry for the next you know, couple of months to years is something that's being talked about a lot. But do you see things beyond remote work as affecting the law industry in the next, say, like five years or so? You know, it's been interesting, maybe as an effect of dealing with COVID, a number of our clients were having difficulty even gathering their own information because of the scope of what they had to employ um, was not at the same level of preparedness as we were. So even though we had done this pre-COVID, I think one thing that that it has really shown us is the deal, the, the need for flexibility for our clients and to respond to them in dealing with whatever their issues may be. So that's one of the things that has really, uh, I think, been a continuing trend. We're getting requests from our clients that sort of outside the traditional types of work or roles that we have served before, um, sometimes on a short-term basis, sometimes on a longer-term basis. Um, and we've been able to respond to that both because of our you know, background and the work that we generally would do for them and knowledge of their business, but also because of our technological capabilities. So I think that's gonna be an ongoing trend. You're not going to have the same traditional working relationships with outside counsel, it's going to be a much closer relationship when it's needed. I'm also interested to see what happens with travel. Certainly, we would have travel where we would just visit our clients. We would take routine trips annually to the Far East, to Europe, to visit our clients in person. It'll be interesting to see if that picks up again, the conferences. With respect to litigation practice, we've now been taking and defending depositions remotely for about a year now. And certainly it saves our clients quite a bit of money. It's cumbersome in many respects with document review and so forth. But I I do believe that that is something that's probably here to stay just because of the cost savings. And we certainly recognize that the remote work atmosphere is out there now and people are thinking about it. But what we have realized, particularly over the past year, that that team environment is particularly integral to our practice. As as you can see from the three of us, we're we're a different kind of firm in many ways. We're about 60 attorneys and professionals, and we do everything by team, whether it's representing our clients, whether it's training involved 
within our firm and even down to the management of the firm. You're seeing what we recognize is important for us as opposed to having a managing partner run our business. We look at it the same way. We look at our business the same way we look at our clients. It's better to have multiple mindsets involved. And we represent a, a few of our partners who have been charged by the rest of the partners with managing the business. So the three of us work in a team environment for that. And we find that that team environment, while we see it working well for our business, we think it's very important for the future of the practice of law as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, you know, speaking of the of, of the future, you know, we, we talked about trends a little bit, but for you in particular, you have 60 lawyers, good size firm for sure, you know, national and, and global reach. What do you see as maybe um, your growth pattern for the next, say, five to 10 years? I expect we're going to be on the same growth pattern that we have been. We seem to grow by about 10 lawyers every 10 years with natural attrition. I would expect within the next 10 to 20 years, we'll be somewhere, maybe it's 80, maybe it's even closer to 100. But that's probably more the target. We all came from other firms before we came to web. Cecilia and I came from very, very large firms. And I don't think that's something that we want to replicate. Gotcha. Follow on question. Do you, do you feel like the number of quality attorneys that you can attract to join the firm is kind of a, a limiting factor to the growth? Or is it more like the demand on the on the firm from clients? We look at it more as an, a, a demand approach from the clients. We, we've we had slow and steady growth over the history of the firm, and we feel that that has served us well, and most importantly, serves our clients well. Clients are foremost at our thought, and it doesn't do us any good to grow just for the sake of growth. It really is what do we need to do to make sure our clients are being best served. So as our clients grow and have additional needs, we take on the people to service those needs. And we grow through a couple of different avenues. So not only do we have laterals like, like us that come over with some experience, um, but we also have individuals sometimes who are patent agents or experienced in a technology and are considering law, but not sure that they want to go down that path. Maybe they want to stay on more of a technical path. And so we start working with them very early on in their careers. Um, I think the other thing that fuels our growth is just the change we've seen in how intellectual property has become a focus so much more for so many businesses. And as that grows, our practice needs grow. So, you know, one of the things that all three of us deal with, in addition to just the traditional thoughts of an intellectual property firm doing prosecution or litigation, is the business advising piece. And, and mm -hmm. it's heavy regulatory, you know, issues, it's environmental issues, it's it's all of those things. And so as those needs continue to grow, our, our business has to grow to accommodate them. Nice, nice. That's great. So, you know, uh, as a digital marketing agency, one of the things that we're always interested in is is how different businesses and even in, in all industries are leveraging some of the things that are out there when it comes to marketing strategies and techniques to, to attract new clients to grow their their business uh, certainly for you it sounds like there's you know a, a lot of uh, working with existing clients probably a lot of referrals i would imagine uh, are there individual marketing techniques that you've used that seem to work really well for you uh, e either with existing clients or to attract new clients uh, and conversely are there some that you've tribe where you're like, all right, that did not work at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe first and foremost, what we have always relied upon is referrals from our existing clients. That our strongest source of new business is doing a great job for our existing clients. 
with the hope and expectation that they are going to refer us to others. And that is without question where I would say 75% or more of our new work comes from. With respect to things that haven't worked so well. <laughs> I love how you gestured to me. We definitely have struggled with bringing on devoted marketing individuals mm-hmm. where their sole job is marketing and trying to develop new business. Yeah. For us, we've had limited success, but overall, I, it really isn't something that has worked for us. I think the challenge is trying to not just develop a connection, but a meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that, that is tough, especially, you know, with the advent of social media and all of those kinds of things, you can put all sorts of content and information out there, but getting to the right audience, allowing them to actually get to know you in a, a meaningful and helpful way um, is really the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, fantastic. Uh, you know, this is probably one of the uh, most expensive podcast episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to find out after this what the billable hour <laughs> rate is for each of you and just kind of add it up. So, to send you the bill. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Multiple lawyers on one call. We wouldn't charge you for all three of us. So. Right. No, we would not do that. I definitely appreciate your time. I know it's it's meaningful and valuable. So thank you very much. If someone would like to get in touch with you afterwards, where is a good place for them to go or how can they get in touch with you? Mm -hmm. You can visit our website, www.weblaw.com with two Bs or email us weblaw at weblaw.com. That's monitored 24 seven. So if you direct it to one of us or just in general, it'll see its way to probably all of us. Awesome. All right. Well, Kent, Cecilia, Kirk, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. For anyone else who is watching, if you are interested in spicing up your law firm marketing, check out Array Digital and our legal firm marketing offering. We cover things like websites, SEO, social media, and of course, online advertising. And you can reach us at ArrayLaw.com. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Be well. Have a great day.